Hey folks, Sam Jones here. Welcome to another edition of Off Camera, the show where I get to talk to iconic, creative, curious artists and find out how they got that way. In this episode, I sit down with actor, writer, and comic Thomas Middleditch. In elementary school, Thomas Middleditch thought he was a pretty fun guy to be around. Well, his classmates quickly set him straight. He was just weird. In setting him straight, they also set him on his artistic path, first through theater and then into the trenches of improv, stand-up, and sketch comedy. It wasn't a steady path. Chicago knocked him down a few notches, but McDonald's was loving it. He impatiently hopped cities and jobs in hopes of making things happen, which is why he found himself in the middle of the ocean when Saturday Night Live announced auditions at the theater he'd just left. I'll let Thomas fill you in on how he got from there to being the star of HBO's hit series Silicon Valley. It's a journey filled with both arrogance and humiliation, and one that leaves you unsure whether to laugh at him or give him a hug. But when you think about it, isn't that the way we feel about all truly funny people? As Thomas reflects on his not-so-funny childhood, his roundabout career path, and the transition from live comedy to serial TV, you'll be totally entertained. And if Nelson British Columbia ever comes up as a Jeopardy category, you will totally cash in. So pull up a chair and listen in. Hey, Thomas, how you doing? Hello, Sam. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Excellent. Um, so, is it cold <laughs> no, now? I just, I thought that would be a really hilarious thing to pretend that you're cold. Yeah. You know, it's like one of the best pits in comedy. It, it is. It's one that's tried and tested. Yeah. Um, Pretend that you're cold. No, I, I, uh, I wanted to have you on here because I love Silicon Valley. And like probably a lot of people, that's where I first discovered you. And, mm. um, and then through doing this research process, I get to like dig deep into where dig you've deep. come. And, dig deep. And it's been fascinating. It's like, it's kind of amazing. So I want to talk about all that. But the first thing I discovered that I didn't know is that you're from Canada. Coin and from it's Nelson, British Columbia. Nelson, right? British Columbia. Yeah, it's a like a kind of a mountain hippie town. Right, and uh, they filmed Roxanne there, right? They did. They shot Roxanne there. Steve Martin is Cyrano de, de, de Balzac, and yes. uh, <laughs> old Long Nose Magoo. Well, I think it started as a silver mining town. Yes, there it, it started out as a, as a, some uh, mining expedition, and then it kind of was that for years. Uh, it's the you know whatever mines kind of dried up, and it was just kind of like this nothing ex mining town until legend has it uh, during like the sixties and stuff. American draft dodgers came up and like hip, hippieized it. Really? Yeah. Because I read in the eighties that there was like this big economic downturn when like industry went out, and that's when the when the town decided to redo Baker Street, I'm I'm sure it it wasn't like an overnight thing from what from right. the, the the hippie influx, but yeah, I mean, look, as far as I know it, it is hemp patchouli, <laughs> uh, artisan handcrafts. Yeah, isn't it like voted Canada's uh, best small art scene? Yep, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of art, a lot of pot. It's like uh, per capita, very gay and lesbian friendly. Really. Yeah, it's white bread as fuck though. Yeah, I mean, it's like ninety-two like, percent white. Uh, Jewish was exotic where I came, where I come from. Really? So yeah, I remember when I first got to Chicago and like that was a. I was like, oh wow, American, like African Americans and the culture and like the yo 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 and whatever. I was like, I I don't. I mean, even as I'm explaining it, it sounds like you feel awkward I'm just so explaining it. White. I couldn't be whiter, and the yo yo yo. Yeah. And the what's up, dog? I couldn't get it. 
I love that there's a Jewish accent to the what's up dog. <laughs> yo, yo, yo's and the what's ups. Idle, idle. Would it be odd if I just researched Nelson for this whole thing and not you at all? Yeah, no, we I could would talk love about to talk per about per Nelson. We used to do, like, heritage plays. Some of my, like, my first acting gigs as a young thespian. We, me and, like, the theater nerds of the town, we had... We got like government grants to put on like plays about like we'd make a little stage in the park and be like just over there was the the Silverhead Mine and really? so and so got hung round round this corner. Hello, I'm the mayor. And what happened to you know like all that stuff? Did you have town pride? Yeah, growing up, I still do kind of. Although when I go back, I you know there's a bit of head shaking. It's just it's it's very earnest, but I love it. I mean, it's like Nelson's great. What kind of kid were you? Were you? Do you have a big imagination? Were you like? Yeah, definitely. I was I was alone a lot. I mean, my brother was a, a, a lot older, and uh, I was pretty sensitive. I was sensitive as a kid, so easily made fun of. Yeah, is definitely a, an accurate description. It wouldn't take me a lot to get riled up, and then I'd be in tears. And so, like you know, certain kids would love that. I mean, they you know, certain kids love making other kids cry. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a recipient of that a fair amount. So I, you know, spent a lot of time alone and, like, you know, playing with action figures and whatever else. And um, I was kind of, like, pretty shy growing up. Like, I have memories of, like, being in social gatherings and literally clinging to my mom's dress in the sense that, like, I was just, like, borrowing my head in there. Really? As, like, conversations happened around. And then I would have these moments of being silly, like whenever I do impressions of my dad, they're British, and my dad, one of his quotes is always like, oh, put on a proper smile, Tom, because he's trying to take a family photo, and I'm like, ooh, you know. <laughs> but then other than that, I'd be kind of like a little bit shy. If you look back at yourself as a kid, does it make sense that you're sitting here and, and that you're acting? No. and I don't think so at all. I mean, like, I think the odds of getting out of uh, of coming from Nelson. Well, I don't know. I look at I look at Nelson as being pretty fortunate. Like you, you could have been born in a small town in Canada, and I happen to be born in like the artsy one, right? Or the theater right. scene, you know. But even then, that's like up in the mountains. But uh, I look at the route that had to happen. All the little things, you know, get involved in theater, try and do theater one way, realize that's not the thing. Finding comedy, Toronto, Chicago, New York, LA. I mean, it's like it's a lot of yeah. Things that lined up. I get kids, even from my hometown, or even just like people that I met in passing from Canada or elsewhere, like, how do you how do you get there? And it's like, dude, there's no algorithm. There's no like math right, to it. You right. just take what's in front of you and like. But I think I think I I don't know. I spent a lot of time by myself too. I was really little, and I got there was two years where there was a kid. Look at you now, six six three, six, six four, seven, six seven. Yeah. My goodness. No, but uh, but I was really little. I matured really late, and there was a bully on our street named yeah. Sean Miller that just terrorized me for a few years. Oh, my bully was also my friend. So Darren Lindsay lived down my street as well, and I kind of like loved him because he was like outgoing and fun, and not like not a gay way man, uh, but in a suddenly <laughs> <laughs> like gets like really weird. Darren Lindsay, not I that, love you. Not that gay shit. Uh, no, I like. I totally loved him, and and I wanted to be friends with him so bad. And occasionally, it'd be really nice to me, and we would go play and like make spears. When no other friends were around, yeah. He would, and then yeah. he would just turn on me. And I remember one specific day, 
we were all playing, and then his friend, this guy, Jordy King, Jordy, uh, we were all three of us together, and we're playing G.I. Joe's and whatever, and then they suddenly just started picking on me. My last name, Middle Ditch, some might say Little little Bitch, right? uh... Turn that around, that used to get me. It used to get my brother too, but in seventh grade he broke a kid's nose and that was that, but not me, I never did that stuff. Wait, your brother did the exact thing that that everyone tells you you're supposed to do. Yeah, fight, none of us fought, do and it. Stood up, stood up for himself, and it and it worked. Then again, I don't know if it did work because he got he fought all the time. So it's like maybe you, maybe you get a reputation as like a fighter, and now you like have to constantly fight. Right, right. They're like, <laughs> oh, he thinks he's so tough. Yeah, yeah. I'll get him. You know, <laughs> out of the way, boys. Let me have a crack. That kind of crud. But uh, anyway, they started picking on me in tears, like slamming on the door. I get, I got like so. It was a really traumatic event. I was trying to try to make them stop. I was like first pleading with them and then trying to fight them. And you know, he's so much bigger than me, throwing me around. It was it was terrible. And then I remember at like we were eighteen at the time, just graduating, and we still sometimes took the same bus. This was years later. Yeah, me and, and I'm sitting with me and it is Darren Lindsay. Uh, I was like. Hey man, do you remember that one time, you know, back when we were kids and Jordy and all that kind of stuff? And he's like, Oh yeah. And I was like, That that sucked, you know, I still remember it. And he's like, Oh, don't worry about it. We just Jordy came up to me and said, Hey, do you want to make fun of Tom? And I said, Yeah. And I was like, Huh? You mean there was no there really was no reason you just arbitrarily decided to ruin my life at that point? I just think that shit is so weird, like how bullies well, I guess I can't, it's just kids, you know. Well, it's funny because when you're the one being picked on, I think that that uh, it's such a bigger experience. Like, I remember, like, I would alter my path home from school. Yeah. You know? Because it's emotionally devastating. Someone's right. just Someone's just cruel to you, and you're like, why? I've done nothing. I'm just me, and maybe I'm weird, or maybe I'm not. They're just like, I'm going to be cruel. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's so sinister. It's like it magnifying glass to ants kind of thing. Like, just like, because I can. Yeah. You'll burn. No, and I think that when that stuff happens, I mean, obviously kids go all different ways with that. It could be our, yeah. like your brother and start fighting. or you. Yeah. Could, but how did, it, how did it affect you? Uh, it definitely wasn't fun. And, that, you know, and, and sadly, that wasn't like the only time where something like that happened, either with that kid or some other kids. You know, but I don't think... Uh, I, I, I think it happens to a lot of kids, right? You're either on the recipient, receiving end, the giving end, or somehow you're like so anonymous that no one even pays attention to you in that whole sort of bully to be bullied or not bullied kind of thing. But uh, I guess that manifested itself and like I would still try and be weird, but I mean I, I look back on like elementary school and like a bit of junior high. I spent most lunches by myself. You did? Walking around, talking to myself. It's been a weirdo, because you know? like no one would you, hang out with me. <laughs> did it make you be interior? Like, of course. I think. Well, look. Maybe a little, little, darker now. It's like I think, and this happened. I I still feel this. Uh, that made me into kind of a really secret sad guy. Like, uh, I think comedy is the outlet it's a way of dealing with it. it's a way of like looking at it and me like how absurd all, all, all of this is life whatever yeah let's make fun of it um but the sadness i mean it's like especially when the hormones hit and teenage years happen i feel like i'm still living my life with like a secret like 
14-year-old boy, like, black hair, just, like, so sad listening to Elliot Smith. My favorite singer, my favorite art, musical artist, Elliot Smith. Still listen to him almost daily. There's just part of that, you know, that just is, like, that. that's always going to be part, part of me. Like, I feel like back then you're wondering, you're like, what is, what is it? Like, uh, why am I like this? Or, or maybe res- just resigning to it. Like, I guess this is me. You know, it's like, that's I'm teenage in that drama. You I know? sit like, at that like, table. Like, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> like, my, fuck my life. Hashtag FML, right? With the kids. <laughs> but yeah, it's that sort of like teen turmoil that is like, woe is me. The world fucking doesn't understand. And I definitely felt like, I mean, I, I don't, I know I'm not alone in this. Like, as soon as you become an adult, that's when you start seeing your parents as humans. Because up until that point, they were just like these representatives of like people who don't get you. That's how like, it was for me. Would you try to tell them? Like, I'm, I mean, no. You, you it's, how school today, Tom? Fine. Fine. I know why. And, then, why and even that? when I'm like, class clown kid and like making everybody laugh and like I'm at school being totally extroverted and being crazy I get home and be like fine I'll be on the computer playing Why? video games I don't know isn't that funny I find when I go back to home to Nelson I find pressure and I actually have to shake it off to revert to what everyone thinks of me you know like to to be the self that you were Minus the whatever it's been, 12, 14, 15 years of growth. Yeah. That you've become your own man and decided, no, this is kind of like what I want to be. These are my friends. These are my, this is my tribe, you know. And you go back hometown, I kind of feel this weird secret pressure to be, I don't know, what everyone used to perceive me as. It's weird. It's like, it's weird. It's such a... <laughs> like, if you were home for three weeks, would, would all this seem like a dream? Yeah, well, I... First, you pulling out my hair. I've done. I've done almost that. I mean, I, I, I kind of. It sounds like I'm shitting on Nelson. I think it's a very special place, but I just think uh, you get into a town where you get into a place where it's like people from your past that aren't necessarily like the people you really, on a day to day level, now spend time with. Yeah, this is kind of like age old stuff. Like people go home for the holidays or whatever, and it's like they fight with their family because everybody's different now, but everyone's still trying to be the same to each other like your, your dad's in your mind it feels like your dad still thinks of you as like a 60 year old boy and you're like I'm a grown man father right but even then you should give him the credit for being a grown ass man and having a whole life before you even got there well maybe if you don't call him father I do like to call him father you do what am I going to call him Mike <laughs> dad. so strange father, father sounds like you're in in a version of the sound of music <laughs> no father and mother mother dearest and father figure. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, when I think of it, I think like some of the most interesting kids that I knew or that, I, that grew up to be interesting, they did spend a lot of time alone. Uh, you know, like sure. it, it made me wonder, like, did you, did you discover comedy being alone or did you, how did you discover you were funny or you liked to make people laugh? Mm. In like junior high, high school, Kids in the Hall was me that's all I wanted to be it's what got me into comedy when I graduated high school I was like I'm I my goal is to find some people that to do sketch comedy with that was my goal was part of that that when you found other kids that like that that was the first time you could be yourself and feel comfortable oh yeah and also just be silly and weird and not have not have anyone go you're weird like that was like that was kryptonite to me as a kid is like some someone just be like you're weird I hated that. And then you would go into your shell. Yeah, that's like that's like just 
You know, it's like, oh, I'm weird? Oh, I thought it was, like, fun. <laughs> I thought it was a fun guy to be around. No, I'm weird? I don't know. It sounds so tame now because now I'm like, if someone called me weird, I'd be like, thanks. What are you, normal? That sucks. Yeah. But as a kid, you, like, want acceptance and, like, weird is anything but. And as adolescents especially, it's like school is life. And so it's hard to think of what life will be after that. It's hard to think of, like, moving from a small town or where you've, wherever you live to, like, another place and meeting a whole new set of people and starting your whole thing and deciding what you want to do as opposed to being forced to go into, like, a little institution being, like, bombarded. Right. Like, you get to have a choice. And so if you don't like someone, you can be like, I choose not to be around you ever again. And that works, you know? Whereas in school... You're stuck. <laughs> that's it, man. You're putting a min pin and a Rottweiler in together, and the min pin's just like, fucking hell, <laughs> not today. <laughs> Why does the min pin have an accent? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He just did. This um, miniature picture's from England Some for some reason. Shipped over. Oh, got stuck in Nelson. Fuck. Shit. <laughs> well, okay, so... so was there a revelation at some point where you're like, hey, I'm actually kind of good at this. Like, I'm quick or I'm... Like, like do you oh. remember when it became something where... That, honestly, that play. I mean, it, the, so the, 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 the arrogance of the arrogance of youth is... I, I did that play. It's called I'm a Fool. It's like a play that you give schools. And shit. Okay. Like, it's okay. it's not a known play. Um, there's bits and stuff that... Was it Hamlet? No. no. <laughs> I, like, spat so enthusiastically. Yeah. enthusiastically. No. It, it was, and me and the drama teacher were at some, like, physical comedy routine where I see the audience, woo, crack up. And, like, the, 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 the crowd of enthusiastic, like, ninth graders, of course, are going to go, like, yeah! You know, they're going to go crazy. Even if it's pre-hack. But the... the I think it was... Pete Holmes says you need a little bit of, like, delusion in order to make it in this business. Like, there's something to be said for, like, totally fucking kidding yourself because especially in those early years where you're, like, against all odds, you're, like, looking up at the Game of Thrones white wall being like, how am I going to cross that? You need to think that you're, like, kind of, like, the best (laughs) around and that you deserve a shot and you're going to make it. It's only a matter of time. And there's not tens of thousands of people doing it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that, you know, the slow realization that at every casting call you, like, go in and, like, oh, there's, like, 80 people that look like me. (laughs) Um, You have to think that you're going to kind of be the the guy. Now, that that manifests itself into you being a straight-up dick. And I even had a a one point when I was learning improv in Chicago. Uh, one of my, like, improv coaches sat me down and was like, you know, she gave me this big story about how she could have been on SNL, but, like, she had a reputation for being a real tough person to work with, and, you know, and she just sort of, like, hinted at the fact that, like, you know, being an asshole doesn't get you that far, and I really had, like, I was like, oh, introspective moment. That's that's so interesting that that someone would care enough to... Yeah, I took it as, at first I was like, fuck this bitch. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's probably a good sign of your arrogance. And then I kind of like tried to get, a, and, and from that point on, my whole shift changed of like, I don't know, humility and recognizing like, oh, you're maybe not the shit. You're maybe not like the best person to have walked the earth. Because honestly, at that point I thought, I was like, why aren't I on SNL right now? I moved to Chicago. I should have been on a main stage in like six months and then SNL in like three um, but but you had the delusion, yeah. which you needed. But it got me to there. So let me back up just a sec. Because so, I'm curious about, like, once you started performing, 
How did that change your situation at school? It was like, it, it became like Tom the weirdo to like Tom the actor. Honestly, uh, within a year, I was friends with all the kids that used to make fun of me. Really? And I was going to their birthday parties and they were coming to mine and we were all doing sleepovers and I having the best time watching action movies and all that kind of shit. And we were like, we're friends, Nerf Wars, all that stuff, all that like... And you, and you did shit. that thing where it's like, you just forgave them all immediately. Of course. <laughs> Acceptance? Are you kidding me? <laughs> when you're in eighth or ninth grade, that's like all you desire. Yeah, acceptance. I didn't care about girls. I was never, I, I mean, I, obviously, I loved, I was so obsessed with girls. Girls, oh, oh my God, always. But I couldn't, I would never, I never dated anyone in high school because I didn't want to jeopardize my, like, what I thought as my precarious social standing. Really? So crazy shit. Wait a minute, so you thought... Whatever you'd achieved, if you, I decide on such someone, a delicate then, it, balance. then it puts me in something. Because I was by the time, by the end of high school, for example, I was like I was friends with everyone, kind of like all the little gr- groups and cliques. I was, uh, try to be approachable. But still spent a lot of my lunches al- alone because the groups and stuff would go off and do them be their own thing, and me, the guy who's like friends with everyone, <laughs> it's just like again walking around. <laughs> Trying talking to, be like, to himself. Yeah, talking to himself, going up to the guys who are playing hacky sack, me like, can I play, please? <laughs> Will you let me? <laughs> yeah. So you leave yeah. school. That's funny. You don't go to, you, because I read you didn't, you dropped out of school or something like that. Yeah, I went, well, I went to, you know, because you go to your, like, you're in a small town, you go to your guidance counselor, right? Right. And you're like, so I want to do comedy. I want to be an actor. What do I do? And they're like, oh, I guess you, I didn't say I want to be acting. I said, I want to do comedy. This is what I want to do. And he's like, oh, I guess you go to theater school and uh, get a degree. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to trust Mr. Whoever. So then I went to University of Victoria, which is like, in terms of like colleges that have a theater program, that's pretty good. Okay. But it's not like a conservatory, like hoity-toity thing. It's not Juilliard. But uh, went there for a couple years and got, I mean, did pretty well. Like I, and by my second year, I was like the lead of all the the of a bunch of plays and like that was usually reserved for like the fourth year like the seniors and stuff hence all, the arrogance grows hence, yeah of course now I'm like this fucking bullshit <laughs> god they should be paying me and then so I actually drop out of there to go to uh, this uh, uh, like a hoity-toity theater acting school in Toronto but the summer between being accepted and starting, I met all these people that are doing comedy. They're doing sketch, stand-up, improv, all this kind of stuff. I was like, oh, wait, you can just do it? You don't have to go to school? I don't have to come up with my classical and contemporary monologues? Right. You know? And talk like this, you know, so the people in the back row can hear me, you know? (laughs) All that hellish, like, oh, the theater, the boards, all that shit. I don't have to do that. Sign me up. And so I, you know, just, I blew theater school off and like, started doing that. So. And how was that conversation with your parents at that point? Honestly, I got to do hats off to them. They were, they were pretty cool. They, I, I'm sure they hung up the phone and were like, ooh. But they said, they were like, well, we made a promise that we would pay you know, four years of your post-secondary education. So just know that if you want help with this financially, if you just living in an apartment in Toronto doing that stuff, that's going to eat out of your, your college fund. I was like, I'm fine with that. Thank you. Thankfully, it's paying off. But yeah. It took a while. So did you just assume that you, with all of this arrogance, that you would just be accepted into the Saturday Night Live yeah. cast? Honestly, I thought I was like, oh, cool. You know, I know Eddie Murphy was like the youngest cast member or whatever. Maybe it was, um, 
or Adam Shandler or whoever it was. But I was like, I'll be like the second or third youngest. You know, like, I just like thought that. I thought all, all it's going to take is as soon as I'm done the Second City course, I'll get on main stage, and then like a year later, Lauren Michaels will come and like want to get me, want to get me. <laughs> but if I think about it, it's not too, it's not too far off. I spent about three, three and a half years in Chicago. I didn't get, a, I never got on main stage. In fact, I thought that Second City, bless them, I like them, but like they're very institutionalized. There's a lot of waiting to be done. Like if you want a main stage, you're gonna be waiting there for like eight years. Oh wow! Or so. Like maybe you know, there's obviously examples that prove either way, longer, or shorter. Like it's it it takes a while. But I was getting up. I managed. You know, Chicago's great because you get a lot of stage time, and you know. It's kind of like that mid-level training ground area. So if you're good, you kind of get, you rise above. It's okay. easier to rise above there. And so I remember I was kind of like, actually, Chicago is when I kind of got humility. That's where I started to get doubt. That's where I started to be like, what am I doing here? Because I'm sitting there like walking dogs for peanuts. And and like I, like I felt like I had achieved essentially a, a, a fair amount to do in this sort of improv world. Like I'm performing on all the shows I want to do. What what am I going to do here? What's my life going to be here? I'm not a, uh, I was actually contemplating coming back to Canada and like I don't know graphic design something like that. You were something totally different. So you thought you thought it's not happening fast yeah. enough. Or? Yeah, or whatever it was. Like just lamenting the kind of difficult situation wow. it was, and then. I took a job with Second City because they had a, a deal with Norwegian Cruise Lines. Okay. To, they still do. They're, they're, they're like one of the main entertainment uh, acts on Norwegian Cruise Lines. On the big NCL boats, you'll see a Second City show. And uh, they cast out a, well, kind of out of everywhere. Okay. And I did that. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. Four months at sea. I can handle that. It'll be, give me a chance to really decide like what I want to do with my life. Um, and then within the first, like, week of me being on this boat the news dropped that like Lauren Michaels and Seth Meyers and all these people are coming to Chicago to like audition people to be on the show and I'm like I'm on the ship are you kidding me and I knew I knew I would be on and that you're case. out at sea you I would be on that showcase 100% and I made such a stink I like I was such a little bitch little whiny bitch emailing calling being just like a brat and they they agreed to let me buy a ticket from so one of the stops was Bermuda. So I got off of the ship at Bermuda, got an airplane, flew to Chicago, did the showcase, flew back to New York to meet the ship, and then like landed, you know, taxi, go, 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 and then like just get on the ship in time. Really? Yeah. And then it turned out like Seth Meyers really liked it. They met with me. I, I tested for us, and I didn't get it, obviously. But so you auditioned? Yeah. So what 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 was your audition? Like, what did you what did you prepare? Uh, it was three characters, three impressions. Uh, I can't even I can't remember all of them. I remember I remember that it was it was pretty nerve wracking because like especially at that time you know SNL is like comedy gold. Yeah, you know it's really ner- you know you're 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 nervous and people tell you like okay so don't people they're not they're probably not gonna laugh so don't don't be disheartened. You're like, okay, and then you see people come out and they've got like a bunch of like character pieces on and they're just like <sighs> <laughs> you know. And where are you I, standing and waiting when these people are coming well, out? Well, you'll 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 only see like the first maybe like the the like one or two people that just came before you because 
up until then, they give you one of the cast members' dressing rooms, so you get to like sit there by yourself. But I was just fortunate- Just for the anxiety to rise. Just to be like, yeah, exactly. And you sit there for a while. And I felt good because I had like a private meeting with Seth and Mike Schumacher, who was a producer at the time, and we kind of like, they were like, look, we, we're, we're gunning for you. And I was like, great, this is great. So I, kept, I felt confident. And I went in, and right away people laughed. Like I started doing this, I think my first character was like this kid, this like 10-year-old boy who's doing stand-up, but all his stand-up jokes are like how he tricks his dad and doesn't eat all his peas. He just spreads it around on the plate. I saw this. I, I saw... Yeah, there's a, that shit's online, I think, right? Yeah, 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 where you, you got like a Converse shirt on and glasses and a helmet. Yeah, that was one of my SNL characters. Okay, all right. And I think even that, there's another clip of what's supposed to be that guy's you dad. You playing his dad with the mustache. Yeah. yeah. That all, I think that was also another character. And then I did dumb impressions. I did like Chris Martin from Coldplay, just, you know, and I talked about... I have uh, to see that. It's, it's not very good. Like in hindsight, all these things are so dumb. It's, he's just like, oh, I'm Chris Martin from Coldplay. Only because I get told I look like him, but it was something about like, because he's always, he's an activist for something. There's something about, oh, leaves. Leaves every year, millions of leaves fall from their trees and die <laughs> during autumn. And it's like he's campaigning to not Save have leaves, leaves change color and die. Uh, it was <laughs> dumb. It was dumb. And then I did like, here's my impression of Seth Meyers. Thank you very much. You know, like that, you know, stupid stuff because we always get told. That we you look a lot. Yeah, yeah. And they, I, it went really well. The audition ended and like I think one of the producers called me up and said, hey man, that went well. So just stay by your phone. You know, like it's looking good. And it didn't happen. But it's okay. That's that's what happens. I think I looked similar to Seth. They kind of had my type already on the show at that time, so that's how I it mean, goes. you just like blew over that so quick, but was it a, <laughs> was it a giant disappointment? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're just oh, like, oh, that's fine. Moving on. SNL! I mean, yeah, of course. At the time, I thought it was like, I mean, it, it, you get to have, especially when you're like mid-20s, you now have the coolest job in a very cool city. You're a fucking god. I mean, like, in, in the industry of entertainment, you don't get paid that much. It's kind of a brutal contract because they sign you on for, like, eight years. Yeah. It's, like, it's a tough one, but you don't care at that point. You're, like, you beat everybody. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wanted that thing. You, you won. And to get that <laughs> close. It's, I think in hindsight, I wear it as, like, a, hey, you got that close. But, I mean, at that time, I was, like, pretty sad. But I, I, I was fortunate because... This is all, this is all, by the way, I, I auditioned while I was still working on the cruise ship. So, like, I, were, I like, landed at, an, at another place. So, were place. you sitting by a ship-to-shore phone? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was waiting for email to kick in. I got a signal. What? Nothing? nothing. Okay, fair. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we uh, again, I kind of flew from NASA, which was one of the stops, went to New York, auditioned, had all my little, co- my little prop pieces and stuff, and then since I was there for a couple extra days, this new agency that I just got. It's so weird. I went on a cruise ship. Suddenly I got, I dropped my agent, manager, got new ones, tested for us now. Like, it's like, oh, sure, be on some isolated thing for four months and everything, your whole world changes. So I I got these just general meetings with like casting directors from like ABC, NBC, and CBS. And because uh, all I had was a bag and like that helmet, you know, attached to it, I'd bring that to the thing because I knew after these meetings I'd be walking onto the cruise ship. And they were like, what's the helmet? Did you skateboard here? And I was like, no, I just tested for SNL. I, 
I felt, you know, I felt confident. I was like, it was good. You want to? Just, I'll do my audition for you. And I would never do that now. I don't know what was going on in my head, but I was like just offering to show people because I felt so good. Because <laughs> in my mind, I was I'll like, I'll let you in on it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, I'm so baller right Lauren now. Lauren told me to keep this under wraps, but I'm going to give but, it to you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> and so I was doing this like, oh, God, it's so strange. Like, So they'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. Click, put it on the camera, watch this thing. And it went, I mean, it, it was actually fun. And so I didn't get this on SNL, but ABC gave me what they call like a holding deal. I'm sort of, I guess I explained for the audience. Like a holding deal is essentially they pay money to call dibs on you. So during pilot season you only audition for their stuff. And so while I didn't get SNL, the cruise ship ended, and I was like, well, I got this holding deal. Great, I'll move to New York. Another breadcrumb to keep me on the trail of like not moving to Canada. Well, I always, I always think about timing, because it seems to me like you were born at the perfect time, generationally, to be the first generation of people who also had the opportunity to make things on their own yes. and put them out there. Like, there oh, yeah. Previous to you, there wasn't the ability to go out and make a sketch, film it yourself, and put it out there. And, and I feel like your time coincided exactly with the rise of like Funny or Die and, yes. and things like that. 100%. That's why I got the new reps and stuff like that, because it just so happened. Happenstance is a lot of, lot of this stuff. It just so happened, me, T.J. Miller, yeah. and this guy Jordan Boat Roberts, he's a director, he just directed Skull Island, the new King Kong huge movie, after doing his like little indie at Sundance. <laughs> $250 million movie. He's probably arrogant. Yeah, he kind of is, but he would tell you that himself. <laughs> he's, he's awesome, though. I love him. But anyway, we would stay up until 5 in the morning making little shorts, and we just had a few of them online and stuff. Right. I mean, it is interesting because, um, because it seems like you wouldn't have to sit around and wait for the phone to ring. You could just... You have to be proactive. Go yeah. make stuff. I mean, tell me, I think, obviously a lot of people know this, but I think it's worthy to hear it from you the Chicken McNuggets story because yeah. that's sort of one of those things where you make something in half a day and and it ends up being coming. Like, yeah, a thing. Yeah. That all is around the same time as the cruise ship, so the Chicken McNuggets thing is... So what happened there? You, I would like to have a disclaimer. I don't condone McDonald's. I think they're kind of like a bad news people. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on Terrible that. Terrible to animals and thus the environment. So, but that aside, uh, at the time, I, I didn't give a shit. <laughs> I hadn't reached my, my zenith. There goes our like, McDonald's sponsorship. Environmental, like, dickhead, <laughs> calling foul on everything. Um, but uh, at the time, I was just, it was actually meant to kind of make fun of McDonald's because at the time they were doing, that was the whole, -da 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 -da, I'm loving it. Right, right. And them, like, being like, check it out. We're, like, casually urban. We're, like, white urban. Like, haha, yo. Hey, man, we just got playing basketball. Let's go grab a Big Mac. Cool. Da -da 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 -da. Like, all that shit. I right. hated it. I was like, I see you through your corporate bullshit. You're, like, appeal to the masses. Like, hell. Um, and so I, me and this, my friend, Fernando, for our Second City, like, class showcase, we just did, I think it, that was at Spawn, but it ended up being, like, this this little rap about McNuggets, but we we kind of were, like, making fun of, it was always, like, poof, 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 McNuggets, what? And then <laughs> that ended up being, like, a 30-second bit, and so, like, in the show, we just did it, and then the, te the teacher director of that show was, like, you should film that and just put it online, and I was, like, okay, we okay, and just so happens it was 30 seconds. Then that became viral, and then... McDonald's ended up buying it. <laughs> Which I, I mean, it was featured in like a viral marketing book made by advertisers. 
of like how does how does how do things become viral? Because this is still when people are trying to figure it out. So so you get the call one day and it's someone is like. Uh, we're McDonald's and we want to buy yeah. this from you. Yeah, yeah. It was through some, I mean, I got a call from like my, my, my agent who wasn't, not the good one, uh, but we got it, yeah. It had been on and on for a, like a year at that time just on the internet. So at that time I was like, I'll take any money at this point. Yeah. But what was weird is like, that thing, it had been bought and then, then we went on the cruise ship and I remember, so like when you're working on these cruise ships, right, they're like 4,000 passengers on these things. It's massive. And before your show, you're just an anonymous guy. You're just a person on the boat. You may have your like name tag or something if you want to put it on, but like just you, you, you don't have to wear a uniform. You're just a guy. You don't have to wear anything. Yeah. The only rules are like you just can't get caught, you know, doing drugs and like taking passengers to your room or going into their room and stuff like that. But there are ways around it. <laughs> Um, well, which we'll is talk like later so scandalous. About that. I know. I'm sure we're taking off camera on a cruise ship. <laughs> yeah. Now any any settled. NCL representative is like. Doesn't happen. Like public statement, <laughs> that, uh, he's a liar. <laughs> Hide your daughters, passengers. <laughs> Second city is coming. <laughs> yeah, Second city is coming to take them. <laughs> um, oh yeah, so you're kind of anonymous, and then you just show, and the th- the theater that's on these boats is like two thousand seats or whatever. So essentially, after two shows, the entire boat knows who you are, and so now you're, you're famous in your little. You suddenly overnight you become. Right, and everyone's like, "Oh, Second City," and we ported out in New York and going to like Bahamas and stuff over the summer. So it's a lot of like Jersey, Bronx, working class. It's where I first saw my first Guidos with a haircut and like, "Yo, bro!" It's like Jersey Shore, real deal shit. Like teenagers getting like caught on the teen disco, like fingering each other, like really wild, <laughs> terrible stuff. But they'd suddenly be like. Hey, Second City, holy shit, it's the McNuggets guy. Because <laughs> that commercial is airing at the time. So I get a double whammy. But it was great because they'd be like, McNuggets guy, let me buy you a shot. And so I just get shots fed to me at like 2 p.m. God, it seems like if you didn't think about it too hard, you could just be like, this is a great level of fame. Every yeah, two weeks, sure. there's a new crowd of people. Believe you me, I know plenty of people who have stuck with the Second City cruise ship program. Really? Yeah. I've never been on a cruise ship, so I've never fingered anybody on a cruise You've ship. You've never fingered anyone on a boat? No. Oh, you haven't lived. I will cut all of that out, by the way. Why? <laughs> Why? Uh, because, you know, it's... I've never met a girl once who didn't like getting fingered. <laughs> so disgusting. What a disgusting thing to say. I feel like I need to say that, and it has to be known that I'm like a, like a billionaire. The most offensive thing is like, I'm a billionaire. I've got an exotic cat on my lap. There's like a, a very fancy walking cane that's lined up against like a very nice sofa, nicer than this. Yes, much nicer. And I'm like, I've never met, a, I've never met one girl in my whole life that doesn't enjoy being fingered. I mean, that would be a villain that you'd want to hate. That would be viral, too. That would be, uh, talk about... Re- Keep this in! I know. All right. Fingering stays. Fingering stays. <laughs> Executive decision by the talent. <laughs> no, but I, I, uh, I think that it, it's such an interesting thing. Like, you would never guess in the path of success that it would pass through a cruise ship like that. And it's kind of fascinating, no. you know? I like all that stuff. I think, you know, I know a couple, uh, I guess actors here that have maybe even maybe just kind of got their success either early or just kind of in a very straightforward Hollywood way, like they got went did commercials, TV, and now they're who they are, whatever they are. Right. right. I feel really happy and fortunate that I took 
personally, what I perceive to be a pretty roundabout way. I've had plenty of odd jobs to pay the bills. Uh, did like weird, shitty, like tours of improv, like uh, at colleges or corporate events where no one's paying attention. I've done like, I do this shake, improvised Shakespeare show. Yeah. And I've done that at a cafeteria at a college where people are just trying to study and we're coming up in like tunics and rolled up pants being like, huzzah! And they're like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> just weird things, cruise ships. Uh, uh, I, I, I like that. That's, that's character building. I think uh, all that stuff draws on, I mean, all, all the work now draws on that in some way. I think. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think that a lot of people, if they had sort of a rough childhood or if they got bullied or picked on or whatever, it can shatter their confidence and send them on a certain path. And yeah. I think other people take that experience and, and use it almost as a challenger or uh, they won't be felled by it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's interesting that that, you know, whatever you had inside you, whatever spirit you had inside you that was able to handle um, that, those awkward moments of being on stage in an improv situation. I mean, I don't, know if, I don't know if those situations in elementary school help that and make you, make you okay with bombing or, yeah. or if like... I still hate it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not okay with bombing. <laughs> Can't but but you're, willing to, you're willing to get through it. Sure, It's sure, not going to yeah. stop you. And I, I think that's so interesting. Well, I feel... Oh, a couple of things I just want to say. Like, well, I, I think I think I'll give you hats off to my parents for instilling confidence. Uh, they weren't the type of people that were like, "You can do anything." Like those kind of like, "You're a you're a butterfly that can conquer the world." But they were they were very supportive. And I think for them, when they tried to put me in all kinds of sports and this and that, and I was like, oh, "I don't know," and like not into anything. They were worried that you wouldn't find your thing. And right? then when I found drama, my even my dad, as a result, was like one of the committee members on the local th- theater oh, because so he nice. wanted to stay connected and be all this kind of stuff. Like as a as a kid, I didn't appreciate that at all. But now I totally do. I'm like right. they were very they were pretty supportive. Right. But that said, I mean, and then conversely, it's not as if I haven't had my moments, man, of like being like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Like only in the past, only since Silicon Valley, really, have I kind of got some kind of comfort and being like, at least for now, I feel really good. But I bet when the show ends, I'm going to be like, what am I doing? Well, and I've had fine. moments where I've been like, I've called up my mom, being like, I'm I, I don't know, crying, going crazy. Like it's really it's it's a, it's a mental. I don't know. It's this business can be really kind of like it can fuck with you. It can like destroy your confidence. It can kind of like make you reevaluate like what you even hold dear in your life. I see that you work some of that into your characters too. Like the funny thing about Silicon Valley is that a lot of your sketch characters like it seems like you're very willing to create pretty unlikable people. I, I don't know. Does that no, make that's, sense? No, that's that's 100% true. I, I always like uh I I think Characters need to have some kind of like internal sadness or strife. Like true funny characters also have like some terrible sadness to them, or something going on wrong in their lives where they're just like not capable of dealing with it. Yeah, no, I see that. And probably the best compliment I could give you about Silicon Valley is that the guy sitting here right now is so different than Richard Hendricks, and and you're not. I mean, you're not doing. Any prosthetics? You're not doing any crazy clothes. You're not doing anything different, and yet 
person sitting in front of me is this confident, handsome, funny dude that's not that handsome. But like pretty handsome. Fairly handsome. Yeah, yeah. like with this new mustache, right? It looks yeah, good. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that, and, and that's another reason you don't look like him. But no, but I think that when you get introduced to an actor through a show, yeah. you don't have anything else to go, go of course. by. Of course. It's like Kramer, right? Yes. On Seinfeld. And, and I would assume that 95% of the time you get recognized, it's from that it's show and that. people knowing the show. And, and I just wonder if, if you notice this phenomenon of, of people expecting you to be more like him. Of course. Of course. And I love that. I love it when people are like, hey, you're not like Richard at all. Um, even if they mean it kind of in a way that like is disappointing, like they're disappointed somehow. I'm still like, that's great. I mean, uh, of course I'm not. I'm like, a, I'm, a, I'm, an act, I'm an actor. And I feel like a lot of actors kind of get that. They're like, oh, you're not, you're not so-and-so. But I'll, I'll, I'll choose to take that as a compliment, uh, uh, as, a, as an indication of my immense acting ability. But yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, I remember in the, during the process of it, the process of getting this show is kind of weird, too. Well, yeah, wasn't it written for you? Yes, but I did, never believed it. I, Even when you were told that, you didn't yes. believe it. I moved here, I moved to L.A. from New York City because, you know, I wanted to make sure there was, like, something to come here, too, and it was a very loose connection. I had pitched a, an animated show. Okay. And it looked like it was gonna get made with MTV. And they, at the time, were bringing back Beavis and Butthead to MTV. And it just so happened that when I drew my little drawings for this little pitch that I made, I just was in a very Mike Judge mood, and they kinda looked like Mike Judge drawings. Unintentional, just sort of happened that way. Okay. So it all very thin, so great. We're working on the show, they, they might go together. I was like, great, okay. I've, I've always thought of my, I, you know, I do voices. Animation's always been a dream of mine. I didn't think that was going to be my first thing, but here we go. That's that's going to be my life. I'll be like in animation. So even this far into your career, you think like, I'll just become an animator. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I've always done voices. I felt like it was a natural fit, but it never felt like I always consider myself more of a performer. But there you go. Fine. I'll I'll, I'll do animation. That sounds fun. Just keep me away from Nelson. Just keep me out of Nelson. Keep me away. <laughs> keep me away. But then uh, my sh show didn't get picked up. But during the whole making of that. John and Dave were like, we're writing this show for HBO with Mike, and you know, it's about like tech, Silicon Valley people. We think you'd be so grateful. We're gonna write it with you in mind. And I, I was like, yeah, right. I mean, you hear that shit, and you're like, me? They're never gonna buy it. Like HBO will never let that happen. And even like the script that we we're about so to arrogant shoot. arrogant guy is gone at this point. Arrogant guy is destroyed. After, trust me, after like two years of being in New York City, crying and calling my parents, being like, I fucked up, I made the worst mistake. Arrogant guy is buried in the ground. <laughs> in an unmarked gravesite. <laughs> Nowhere to be found. And uh, sure enough, like the show starts getting made. They're gonna make a pilot. Okay, I, I still have to audition for it. I wasn't expecting to be offered the part. Um, but during that process, it was, you know, to talk about sort of like forming this character of Richard. It's not like I went up to Silicon Valley and like studied them. I just sort of got down to the base qualities of what this guy kind of was, his agitatedness, his nervousness, his like tunnel vision meticulousness, because although I'm not a programmer in real life, I am kind of computer literate. So when you did get the script, what did you first relate to about the character? I thought it was funny. I was like, okay, cool. Like, he doesn't necessarily have the crazy lines. He doesn't have the big jokey things. So I'm going to find these little moments. I'm going to find looks, reactions, uh, maybe a physical bit here and there. 
some strange comments that he says and then immediately regrets because he's the robot boy. And that, and now, in hindsight, I've experienced that because now, since the show goes, we go up to Silicon Valley, we meet the players within. <laughs> you had those, I had those experiences where like, you people are, are kind of robots and you'll just say whatever and there's no filter, there's no humility. <laughs> they'll, 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 in the first five minutes, they'll tell you what they've accomplished, for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. And that's fine. As, as you should. You, you, you personally own $500 million. Whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, just, uh, I was trying to just look for those little moments because starting with it and even now, going into the fourth season in, in the fall, I, I want to make sure that Richard, who is pretty much the straight man, isn't void of all comedy or character or weirdness. What is the official definition of a straight man and... And are there variations, or when you read the script, were you like, oh, this is classic straight man? It could be perceived as that, I think, when maybe you first read the script, but I would never do that. I'm too, I'm usually the guy that's brought on as like, there's Mike, there's Dave, there's Jamie, and there's the bongler. Like, I'm boner in Growing Pains, usually. Right. Or dubs. Dubs. I'm dubs, right? That's all my stuff. So I was actually really happy to be like the straight man and stuff like that. And so. There is a bit of, and I, I don't like to say these words because it's so silly. When you're a comedian who your whole life is spent making fun of stuff, when you, when you act earnest, it's really uncomfortable. Because you know that you're, you deserve Because I should be made fun of when right. I'm, what I'm about to say. But like, there's a bit of acting going on. Like, there's a bit of kind of like, okay, like this moment has to be real without joke, sad or whatever. No, for sure. And uh, I, I like that. Is like a, it's, it's definitely made me... Or at least I feel like I'm better at that kind of stuff. I, I look at the show as pretty fortunate. I mean, it, I mean, this is gonna sound like my claws are coming out. And I'm like getting people, and I, and I, I'm not meaning to. It's just like it's just weird how in entertainment, and especially in television, especially in movies, somehow in comedy, comedians don't get hired. Like people who do comedy professionally. They're not ends that they don't end up being on screen, and that's fine because occasionally you get you get really pleasantly surprised where you know some very notoriously straight actor, or dramatic actor does something comedic and they're absolutely hilarious, right? But a lot of the time it's like an actor who's willing to say the cheesy line has some timing, and then there you go, and right. they're cast, and, and they're a comedic actor, and they're a comedic actor, and I don't want to like. Sounds so like pissy, but it's just like this. Sh- I, I just look at this show. Let's talk about this one, I guess. It's like this is very fortunate that like Z- Zach again. I've known for a long time. Like Zach, Camille, TJ, uh, myself, uh, even Martin to a degree. We all are active in the comedy world, right? And that's like kind of that's not commonplace. Yeah, no, I guess that, when you think about it, it's not commonplace at, at all. At least in terms of like performing live and yeah. getting out there and like making sure you're, you're, you're sharp. Like that doesn't, that's not really a thing. That happens a lot. When we're filming, probably the writers get frustrated at us because we're always trying to like put in our jokes because we, we got to put our stamp on everything. And so they're always kind of like, hey man, just uh, say the words that we spent six months writing, please. Because they're going somewhere and they... <laughs> yeah. And it's also, it's kind of like, it's completely arrogant. Like they spent so long crafting the script and we're like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, blah, blah, you know, <laughs> we're going to make up our own joke. Well, but I, that brings up a question about, um, about the, the opposite of that, which is, um, when you get a bunch of comedians in a room and they're asked to do drama 
do you have the same thing where all of a sudden, oh my God, you had no idea this person had it in them? And I think that happens all the time. I think some of my favorite performances by comedians have been when they're dramatic. I mean, like Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love, Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But I, I would think that's the silver lining of the show is that, um, is that it probably went more dramatic than anyone envisioned it at first. And the stakes probably got a lot yeah. higher. That's, I think the joy for me on that show is that uh, you know, I'm enormously entertained, but I'm also really invested in, yeah. in the success of you guys. I get what you mean. I mean, honestly, I watch the show. Not your personal success. I mean your character. It's engaging, my personal success. Yes. No, but I, I get it. I watch the show as well, and uh, I kind of feel that way, because especially so much time happens between shooting it and seeing it, I can't get to, and I don't know what it looks like. I get to see it. So I'm also a fan. When you watch the show, um, are you hard on yourself? Like, what's, yes. what's, the, what's the dialogue in your head when you're watching the show? It's a lot of critique. I do try and... Allow myself, like, if there's something that I like that I've done, I go, good, that was funny. Well done, Tom. Uh, but a lot of the times I'm like, ugh. I, I, I rarely laugh at the show because I'm just sort of, like, analyzing it. Really? Yeah. But I, it, I, I have laughed. Are you hard on yourself? Yes. I'm essentially, anything I see, I'm looking at stuff that's, like, probably wrong with it. And do you think that helps you in the long run, like being hard on yourself? I don't know. I'm not professional enough of an actor to like take a workshop or a class or get taught anything, because <laughs> I always find that gets me in my head and I, be get, I get worse. But, so this is, this, I, better, I better learn from something. I don't know. I mean, it brings up a question, because some actors will say, I never want to watch dailies, because I don't want to like get in my own head about, and other people will watch them religiously and, and learn from yeah. what they're doing. Well, I think it's even, I think it's a lot, uh, you can learn from it on the sense of choices that you make and like really actory stuff, but I also think you can learn very technical things. Like when you're, like, when you think you're being really small and acting really small and you see yourself and you're like, and you're like, oh, I was really big there. I was really broad. Learning to totally modulate your tone. Learning to modulate. Learn to like, when you think, and I've had that happen so many times where the director's like trying to either get more or less from, from me and I'm doing the opposite. So I'm like, what do they know? And then I see it, I'm like, oh, they were totally right. <laughs> <laughs> and you keep relearning that lesson over yes, and over. Yes, exactly. Well, listen, I think you're in a great place because you do have opportunity. You're, you're doing great work that is different and it's, it's you know, it is that beautiful mix of there's depth and there's comedy and there's right. drama and there's dark sadness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think you're in a great position. And I also feel like you're just the beginning of, of being able to do so much stuff. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan. And I'm, here's, here's hoping. I mean, I, I'm trying. The weird thing, you know, we've had this discussion about, like, drama and comedy and the two masks of catharsis. Um, but uh, <laughs> the two Grecian masks. But... Uh, I've thought about all that kind of stuff, and man, as much as I love doing comedy, and I always do comedy, especially live stuff, like the more and more I either get confidence or even the ability to be considered for more dramatic stuff, the more and more I want it. Because like when I go to the movies, especially the movies, TV is a bit different, but yeah. whenever I go to films, I rarely get excited about comedies. For some reason in America, the agreed upon sense of humor is like frat boys stuff. Right. Parties, it's drinking, 
old school times a million. Like, uh, like every trailer is like, uh, oh, ah, uh, 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 it's like all just yeah. nonsense. And Zac Efron is the lead, but like I don't get it. Like that's it's just not for me. So for some reason I'm I'm like either I'm I'm like I guess I don't understand comedy or maybe like I don't understand the majority of sense of humor by of Americans, but. But I do still watch serious stuff. I love horror. Did you see Green Room? Yes. I mean, it's fucking Terrifying. incredible. And, and dark and just... And well acted. These young, these young ones. Yeah. Oh, Imogen. Mm. Poots. Hi, hi. Shiver me timbers. Uh, listen, she was sitting right there one week ago. Jeez. <laughs> You'll cut that away. No, I'm married. <laughs> um, no, but that movie and like... Uh, there, there's just all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm maybe not... But yeah, there's a lot of things, and, and you know, given the opportunity, I'd love to go down there. So those roads. Yeah. Well, great. listen, I look forward to whatever you do because uh, I, I think you're really a very watchable, interesting human, and 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 it's been a treat for me to get to know all the crazy internet stuff that's out there. <laughs> of you. you know, I know. Like, I'm gonna like start taking some things down. Don't do it. I mean, you you know, <laughs> pooping while your while your dog yells at <laughs> you. That is good. I mean, that's that's sort of like the epitome of of your that generational thing we talked about. Yes, that exactly. You can put just about anything up there, and, sure. and just about all of it is really entertaining. So, uh, cool. Thanks, thanks for coming and doing this. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.